cards. I gotta collect the weapons. I gotta fight through the bosses. I gotta go from building one to building three, and then back to building one, and then back to building three, and then back to building one, and then back to building three, you know, four or five times, and boom, I'm done with the game. I gotta fight a helicopter. There's always a helicopter fight. But but it's not until Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid where a guy shows up and he's like, Do you know what it's like to try to tear each other's ears off in the bitter cold of the Arctic winter? And it's like, okay, you're new. This is, alright, I guess I'll fucking dodge some lasers or whatever. But yeah, let's talk about ear pulling for, I don't know, five that or ten true. minutes. That is true. Main, the main, even more than the graphical change, the main substantive change is that Metal Gear Solid... Previously, what I assumed was true for all of them, but obviously not, and probably having something to do with memory. Metal Gear Solid is the first one that uh, just has, like, basically a whole audiobook in for every cutscene. And at the time, because I had nothing to compare it to, I was like, yeah, Hideo Kojima's always just done that. But by comparison, the storytelling in, like, Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 is incredibly economical. Yeah. You know... Speaking of economical storytelling, boy oh boy do we have a tight A, B, and C plot in today's episode of The Big Bang Theory, which is the basis for the podcast you're listening to called The Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. And there was a C plot? I think... these up? Well, either there's a C plot or there's an... A1 and an A2 plot, I think. Because, well, and alright, maybe it's the thinnest of C plots, but first, hey, this podcast where we talk about the stupid television show that we like sometimes, usually we don't, we're just getting through it, thanks for sticking with us, we've been doing this for seven years, we got five more left, it's going really rough, but here we are. And uh, today we watched Season 7, Episode 22, officially uh, titled, oh shit, I'm on the wrong page, I was looking into the Professor Proton lore, officially titled, The Proton Transmogrification, and the short fan summary reads as thus, Professor Proton passes away, leaving Leonard and Sheldon upset, but still preparing for Star Wars Day, which I hate, Um, that's not part of it, Uh, Leonard and Penny attend Professor Proton's funeral and talk about their rejected marriage proposals. Okay, and so maybe maybe I'm crazy, but a plot uh, I think is uh, the Leonard, not Leonard, the Penny and um, yeah, no, I'm Penny and Leonard. I don't know. Why I was where I was intermingling Sheldon there, going to the funeral. Uh, you know their relationships at the forefront. Uh, the Professor Proton death is the inciting incident. So I say that's plot A. Plot B is Sheldon's um, emotionally pained spirit quest where uh, Professor Proton comes to him through a series of of dreams dressed as a Jedi. Yeah, that uh, was a little weird. Yeah, it was... I'll, I'll, I'll get into things that don't actually have anything to do with the episode, but make me shudder nonetheless uh, after this. And then C-plot, which is the tiniest, and maybe this isn't an actual C-plot... Uh, I think is both the Wallowitz and the Raj just kind of like, hey man, at least we get to watch these movies, right, right, right? Uh, waiting for the Bernadette and the Amy to finish their star, their their Death Star spherical cake. Uh, 
But yeah, maybe those don't count. That might just be background filler. But hey, I guess that's also the episode summary, more or less. I did it. Dun dun dun. dun. You did do it. Thing you know, that this is, this is going to be a weird thing for a nerd to say, uh, but I think I consistently underestimate just how big of a chokehold Star Wars had on like gen- the generation right before us, if we're part of the same generation. Yeah, it's something that, uh, and I, I'm sure I've said this before, I am not anti-Star Wars, but I am not a Star Wars guy. But that is weird for, yeah, my age, and I think also my preceding generation who like experienced these movies in their actual youth when it was a tremendous cultural phenomenon. And, oh man, I... I, I watch this episode and I'm like, you know what? This kind of annoys me, but I know like the the prequels had come out. People love it. That's fine. But then I was also like, they didn't know how much worse it was going to get. They didn't know, like they thought the prequels were either going to be the pinnacle or the, uh, oh, whatever the opposite, the Nadir. zenith, Nadir. the nadir. Thank you of of the series and not knowing it was actually going to get worse. Uh, and so it was, I, I had mixed feelings, none of them good. It was just kind of like, I don't like this to begin with. And Oh God, this is a relatively innocent period for star Wars fandom. Uh, how did you feel Kyle? Uh, about star Wars or about this episode? Well, you, you're talking about the chokehold of the, the... Oh, I was just... Because I was thinking about how this is not like in um, How I Met Your Mother. There is also an entire episode that's devoted... I mean, there's actually two, but mostly just... There's an entire episode devoted to uh, the dudes having their annual rewatch of Star Wars. Um, which leads to a episode down the line where they, they realize that maybe... Uh, Ted's fiance at the time is not right for him because he shows her Star Wars and she's like, I don't get it. It's just, you know, why is there a talking bear in it? Except the bear doesn't actually talk. He just, yeah. everybody, everybody pretends like they know what the bear has. So just the fact that like, um, yeah, in both of these shows, which are somewhat contemporaneous, there's a bit where, I mean, this show, it makes more sense anyway, even than that show, because, yeah, you would expect these guys to be really into Star Wars. But it's just, like, at the whole fact that, like, Sheldon processes his whole set, like, the only way he knows how to process grief is through the metaphor of Star Wars. Again, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. It's very, it's just, like... As much as I like Star Wars, and I really like Star Wars, I think about it way too much. I don't have that emotional relationship with Star Wars, and I never have. But if you watch this, it certainly explains how other people definitely feel about it and why they send... I mean, it doesn't explain why, but you can see sort of the line from, you know, I can only contextualize my grief for the death of father figures in my life through Obi-Wan Kenobi metaphors, and I'm Mm going to send death threats to Asian women. (laughs) (laughs) I was in such just a mellow place. Through up until that moment, Kyle, where I was, yeah, we're fucking talking about a Star Wars episodes, but um, which you know, actually, you just ignited um, a spark in my brain, remembering that there's also uh, Sheldon makes a really clumsy Holocaust joke. 
which is so bizarre uh because like you know the original plan is and so something i'll say about this is that like yes it's obviously pandering but not in a way that really bothers me necessarily but at the same time um i so i don't find it like offensive in the episode but i did look it up that this episode came out like four days before the quote-unquote real star wars day and so I was also wondering during the episode, like, what sort of clearances they have to get to have this guy dressed up as Obi-Wan Kenobi and all that. Yeah, but, I mean, I assume the only way it was, like, I could be wrong about this, but I just assume that all of these companies that are allowed to talk about Star Wars are secretly owned by Disney. Yeah, well, I mean... Actually, this, maybe this was before Disney bought Star Wars, so maybe it has nothing to do with the... I don't know. I just, I just didn't imagine a uh, nefarious like 61st floor executive suite orgy and then afterwards they're like all right we we got an episode um but yeah so star wars stuff he's having his metaphorical spirit quest and all that and i don't know like it doesn't bother me i don't like the the bigger pandering thing but like you said uh i can understand yeah, interpreting the world in terms of Star Wars, much as I have been forced to accept that I often uh, interpret many difficulties and moments in my life, often in terms of the video game I was playing at the time it happened. <laughs> and so um, that terrible waste of brain space and whatnot. Um, but also, I don't know, I guess Sheldon is... He, he insists that none of this bothers him. Because, like, you know, for a brief recap, Professor Proton was played by Bob Newhart and was the Big Bang Theory's version of Mr. Wizard, I, I presume. And uh, he died. He, he dies. He's canonically dead. Dead. Uh, and... Which, by the way, not to, I'm sorry, not to interrupt, but no, I that... assumed that the reason they were doing that uh, was because the act Bob Newhart had actually died. And I think that's a reasonable assumption, Kyle. Yeah. But then I went ahead and Googled it, and no, Bob Newhart is was not only not dead then, he is, as far as I can tell, still alive. Maybe, I don't it know if... It makes sense. I mean, I figured that out as soon as he started to appear as a ghost in oh, the sure. episode. So I was like, well, he obviously, it would be weird if he had died, but they had somehow managed to have all that in the can. But, um, I was yeah. Like, well, what was it at the time, maybe, where they thought they needed that prof- that closure with Professor Proton? That's exactly my question. Was he just like, look, I did this to see... I don't want this to be... Co- I mean, I almost respect... You gotta respect that, right? Maybe he was just like, I am not doing an annual Professor Proton episode. Yeah. And you know what? If he's... Based on the quality of his, this episode, if Bob Newhart saved us from that, then thank you. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, talk about him a little bit here. I still... I think we talked before about how, like, yeah, he's a big famous comedy name to know, but I'm not really that familiar with him. I didn't think you were either. The The most familiar I have become with him is by watching his performances in these episodes. And I don't think it's fair to say in this one that he's phoning it in. Um, he is, however, kind of just, I don't know. Nothing comes out clear and immediately it's everything he speaks like i speak too often which is to say kind of stuttering awkward delivery that might be for the purposes of comedy but could also very well be for the purposes of limited brain function 
And so, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad. I think he did just great in this episode. I'm glad they're hanging up the character. Yeah, I agree with that. And also, um, I don't remember what I was going to say. Uh, Were you mystified by the thought of a spherical cake? <laughs> sure. Although I guess, I mean, I've seen some weird cakes these days. Have you seen what they can make cakes into? I've... They can make a cake look like anything. They can make a cake look like you and we wouldn't even be able to tell. Oh, I remember what I was going to say, and this is an interesting – this is like um, – it's interesting how all can – the other day I saw um, a headline that said um, – well, I, I've noticed it's, a, it's, it's real judicious use of the word co-star. Uh, okay. Um, injudicious use. And so there was – the article was uh, Big Bang Theory – Star talks about her uh, beating cancer. And oh, like, Kate Micucci. And I was like, wait, which one of the made? Which one of uh, Kaylee Cuoco, the lady who plays Bernadette and uh, and Miam Bialik, beat cancer? And they were talking about Kate Micucci. Mm-hmm. Which, there's no, I have no like congratulations to her for beating cancer, but uh, Big Bang Theory co-star is a bit of a mislead, and it makes me wonder if. Uh, like when Bob Newhart does pass away, are we going to get articles that are like beloved oh, no. Big Bang Theory? I didn't know you. That's where you're going Bob with Newhart this. I would have stopped dies. you. No. <laughs> oh. There was a one. Uh, so another sad. Let's just make this episode sad and about death, should we? Because that's really what the episode. Well, is that, well, hey, guess what? You're listening to a, yet another regular episode of the Big Bang Theory <laughs> theory. <laughs> But uh, I don't know how you say his last name, but Andrew uh, and Andre Brower, Brower, I'm not sure. Brewer, the guy who played Holt on Brooklyn Nine Nine, died. Oh uh, right, yes. Which was sad. He was great, and he deserved many more roles. Um, but uh, the dude who played uh, Darren on The Office, who was uh, in, who had a regular recurring cameo on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but specifically confined to one episode a season. You know, when he was talking about him, it said whatever his the actor's name is. I used to know it off the top of my head. But um, it was like, so-and-so talks about co-star Andre Big... Or talks about uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine co-star. I was like, they were not co-stars. One of these people was a series regular, and the other was a series recurring guest Mm -hmm. not the same thing i am not i have turned into an old man who is just i have turned into bob newhart apparently because i i think i just realized i am the only person on the planet who cares about this anyway cake midweek recording session baby again this is what happens when you take two otherwise probably i was gonna say I, i can't say normal brained you know i can't all right we're not whatever is going on neither of us is as normal brained but let's say not totally deranged brained people and you you try to have them talk about even basic things in the middle of a work week and it's all just jello and slime it just falls apart but there was a spherical cake and that was nice also there was a there's a game show about you know is it cake and there's a comedian who i you know hosted it that like i kind of otherwise you know think is fine and is funny and whatever but then I, I see, like, I'm, I'm I'm a little bummed out 
that I'm not ever going to have any sort of success in the, the comedy world. Let's just be real. I'm old and sad. I don't got it. But, but, am I kind of relieved that I'm never going to host the Is It Cake show? Yeah. Uh, that just, wow. Why, where, how did we get to this point, Kyle? Where a meme becomes a show that needs talent to get you convinced that whether or not something is a cake is worth watching, paying attention to, and sponsoring. I don't... Uh, okay, sorry. Now I'm... Now this you're is, Bob Newharding. Yeah, and you know what else? Uh, I don't know what Star Wars really is, but I'm just gonna... You know, there's no way... Hey, he was the Star Wars generation. He'd be like 45. I'm just guessing. I don't know how old he really is. And he's like, I gotta go so take some dame to go, you know, finger the new funny picture. And that's... I assumed how it went in, what, 78 or whenever that movie came out? Famously, I believe... Well, actually, I don't... I was going to say 1977. I feel like that's tattooed on my brain, but now... No, I can't... I promise you I wouldn't... I'd st- I'm not going to Google this in the middle of this episode. Let's just we'll feel let miserable go. about it. Let's just live in this space together painfully. I think it's painfully. 77, though. But maybe it's 79. No, I really have no Lost Ark is 79. Is that right? No, Raiders of the Lost Ark is 1980, exactly. Yes, I think that's right. Star Wars is 77, Raiders is 1980. I didn't mean to start this process, but here we are. <laughs> Anywho, uh, I mean, we could talk more about the episode, I guess, but like, what, they, they fucking like Star Wars. What do you know? And they have cute little Star Wars things. I guess, well, well we didn't talk much about the funeral side of things, and the most important thing about it is that I found uh, Kaylee Cuoco, a.k.a. any aka penny uh a charming and attractive and funny uh looking good in a sad funeral dress and i don't know do we want to talk about the relationship i'm fine with that being the summary of that part of the plot how do you feel yeah no it's fine they i they they uh they still can't decide they're obviously getting married because the show has no other place for them to go but it can't figure out a logical reason for them to get there because there is no way it makes sense so it just keeps reminding you that the only place these people have left is to get married so that when it inevitably happens you won't feel like it's out of the blue yeah you're right it's well and i guess just to skim over what happens yeah they go to the funeral and on the way back for professor proton and on the way back from the funeral uh well like they start talking about the uh, what the score they're keeping of who's proposed to who uh whom and it's like Leonard has proposed twice and the Penny's proposed once and they're laughing about the denials. And it's like, oh, you know, if you propose again, we still say no. That was a regret. Ooh. And uh, Penny asks, uh, hey, uh, well, would you want to get married? And Leonard's like, ooh, ah, ha, ha, ha. It was a trick. I wasn't just going to say no and I'm going to agonize over it and make you really think about it. Ha, ha, ha. And Kyle, I think you're exactly right. That at like, this point... Um, and you know they never do they they he says no and then the said the joke is oh but you asked me twice and I haven't said no to the second time har har I'm a goblin and um that at this point they've talked about it enough that yeah when they get married it's like well of course because even if yeah there's no logical reason they had the marriage conversation they we are primed and ready and if they didn't get married at this point this stuff would almost seem that much it would seem bizarre to talk about it all. But that, yeah, hey, maybe, what, we've got two or three more episodes in this season? Is it going to happen? They're going to tie knots around each other and all that? Uh, 
I oh, you mean is it going to happen this season? I don't know. I mean, we got like a couple episodes left before this concludes, and then I only don't know. yeah, I think that's like they've been. Ta- it would almost. I don't know if it'll because I don't know. This show seems like the kind of show where it would string out them getting married over like you know seventeen or eighteen episodes, like an entire season, uh, or maybe. But yeah, well, maybe it'll be the marriage season. season. Yeah, maybe I could see the season ending with a um, proposal that Penny actually says yes to. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm betting too. All right, we're we're queued in. Someone has to give us a million dollars when we're right. But Kyle, anything else about this episode? I feel like. You know, wasn't bad at all in my opinion, but it wasn't good. Just kind of in and out. Star Wars is fine. Whatever. Bob Newhart's gone. How do you feel? Uh, I think it. My last thought about the Star Wars thing is I hadn't. You pointed this out earlier, but it just it really is now sinking in. You're right. I'd forgot how nostalgic it felt to be watching a show where people were talking about Star Wars entirely in the past tense. Like here, you want to watch all the Star Wars movies that there ever were and ever mm-hmm. will be. And it's like, oh, God, you bastards. You had it so good. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, they could bask in a completed series. They could still uh, enjoy the extended universe. Uh, They didn't have to, you know, as has obviously happened, just kind of complicitly wade into the creation of maybe the world's first media megacorp. Uh, so all that's really fun, you know? <laughs> they 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 really, they were sweet, innocent little babies. Yeah, we we really, we monkey-pawed that one right up, didn't we? Wishing for more Star Wars. Yeah, it wasn't my goddamn fault. Like I said, I like it fine, you know? I think it's fun, and I would rather always be watching Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> so... Is that your recommendation for this week? <laughs> Um, I mean, it wasn't going to be, but hey, guess what? It's time for recommendations. And uh, Nick Hyde here, going from the heart, telling you, um, you should all check out Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> and you know what? You can either experience it as I originally did, which was watching um, anime rented out of the uh, porn-adjacent back room of a local video store, where they're like, yeah, whether it's hardcore pornography or weird Japanese cartoons, here be where perverts lie. Uh, and Alita Battle Angel, by the way, is not some sort of weird pervy thing, uh, aside from the fact well, that it is anime. What? Hey, Kyle, give your thoughts, huh? Oh, you meant you meant, you meant meant the show as opposed to the movie. Well, the movie also, I don't really... Okay, let's get into this, but I was going to say that the anime pretty short stripped down story of bizarro doctor guy in not too distant future uh in a, a scrappy martian conquered well not conquered like people fucking live on mars there it's colonized and like finds uh mostly cyborg body in a trash heap uh decides to rebuild it and see what's going on in its brain and whatever and oh is it like actually maybe some sort of super weapon who knows yes of course it is um and so that's fun but also uh the movie rules i love it and kyle's gonna have to tell me why it's pervier than i i recall no, uh, i've never seen it i just assumed from the trailer you piece of shit kyle oh my i'm i'm mad both that you would have this judgment and i just think less of you because ba- alita battle angel isn't somewhere in your brain yet you're unwashed 
Oh, Kyle, that Robert Rodriguez, that Bob Rod, he has up and downs. This is up, 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 baby. So far up that it ends with a cliffhanger of Edward Norton looking down on the world from Mars uh, to, to prepare us for a sequel that will probably never happen. Um... But yeah, it rules. Um, I I joke about it a lot and always like to tell people it's my favorite movie. And while that's not necessarily 100% true, I do fucking love it. And it's because it it looks so silly and ridiculous. And it is, but it also, you know, for the world exists in, it plays itself straight. And so your basic plot is very similar to the anime I just described, except now you've got... Christoph Waltz is, I forget, is, is like Dr. Ito or Eo or something like that. But uh, the world exists, um, I don't think it's Mars, it's Earth, and it is a kind of neo-Western future apocalypse Earth. And so, uh, yes, there are cities and towns, but they, you know, they're kind of like old, rough Western villages, except it's also the future, so there's goddamn cyborgs everywhere. But in this lawless world, um, instead of having actual police forces, you've got uh, mercenaries that will, you know, take bounties. Uh, well, I said mercenaries. That's not correct. Bounty hunters that will uh, take bounties for, you know, criminals that are out causing problems. And a lot of them are like mechanically enhanced, cybernetically enhanced, etc. So that's the basic world. And again... Uh, well, this old doctor, Christoph Waltz, finds some sort of mostly scrapped uh, cyborg body, brings it to life, gives it uh, as many parts as it needs to function. And it's like, oh, hey, um, you seem to have the brain of like, I don't know, kind of like a normal regular teen girl. Don't really know what use that is, whatever. But, you know, all of a sudden, oh, hey, you've got more fighting in you than we thought. And oh, we actually found where your original body might be, and oh, guess what? You're all you're a secret fighting weapon too. God, who could have fucking called it? Um, my one like criticism of it, other than that, again, it will never have a realized sequel. <laughs> is I just kind of assumed that this would have been in the anime. I'd forgotten about it, but there's this whole plot element about like basically rollerball. Uh, it's like the fun game the kids play on the street and there's a highly competitive version of it that uh, Alita gets involved in I think I don't know trying to get money to save a rec center or whoever I can't friggin remember and that whole part is unnecessary I don't think it's bad but I really think if they were to remove it entirely the movie wouldn't suffer and would be tighter that said yeah I think it's great also, just one last thing. I like the way it's willing to, to, to fuck up people's bodies, including, like, acute protagonist teen types, to not spoil too much. It's like, you know, you, you have these kinds of characters in the movie that they're like, hey, look at me, I'm plucky and cute and handsome and whatever, and nothing bad's gonna happen to me. And Robert Rodriguez is like, don't be so fucking sure, buddy. All right. You're gonna you might you might be turned to spaghetti at some point. You count your blessings. So yeah, uh Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> Kyle, how are you feeling? What are you recommending? What are your thoughts? Oh my god, I feel like I just watched you have an out of body experience describing that movie. But it it rules, cool. dude. Um Man, I was really hoping I set you up I was really 
hoping that you would talk about one movie so I could talk about the other movie. But I guess I'll talk about both, or we'll talk about a little bit of one. Then we'll yeah, about. there's the one that's this inevitable. So first off, Saw Godzilla minus one. Me it's too. Very good. Should we just move on? Should we just say it's very good? Yeah, I guess so. It, it kicks ass. It's I, the only thing I'll add is, hey, yeah, you, Kyle said yourself, it's like, oh, the blockbuster of the year. And I'll just uh, also add that uh, for blockbuster of the year, surprising emotional depth that I would not otherwise expect in a blockbuster. So no, yeah. I would say that's what makes it. The, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not just. I'm. I think you're. No, no, I go ahead. Fair, which is, it has so much more feelings than you are expecting from a movie about Godzilla, and so much more sincerity. But it is obvious watching it that that's what makes it good. Like it's like a blockbuster and like the old school, like you know. Uh, Steven Spielberg vein of like I the movie I I mean it's actually it's better than or I don't know that it's better but it's different from like Jaws but you know the key scene in Jaws is that movie that moment where the guy's like let me explain something to you mm-hmm. this whole hunting sharks thing for me it's not just about killing the shark it's about how I watched everyone I ever all of my comrades were eaten alive by sharks over the course of days and I'm the last broken alcoholic survivor and i take my vengeance out on the sharks i hunt you're like oh okay that that definitely gives this movie a whole other energy mm-hmm. this is like that it's like it's like there is no monster on monster fight in this movie it's just a bunch of human beings fighting godzilla and at one point a dude gets in a plane to fight godzilla and i cared m- so much more about this one dude in his tiny little plane versus godzilla than i have cared about any superhero movie that I've seen in like the last five yeah. years. Well, and I think at the same time, the fact that you're able to care so much about that guy uh, and what I thought also was really effective about the film is how little the film tries to characterize or in any way anthropomorphize or make relatable Godzilla, the horrifying destructive force. It's yeah. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. He's not, He's not a cuddly creature. He, he's not even angry. Like to be honest, my uh, both me and uh, and my girlfriend had the same thought watching it, which is like he's almost like just a big angry cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like what if a like he doesn't look like a cat, but he's not like he, he's not a, a like a sentient person in this one. He really is just like a creature who is almost as annoyed as he is like angry. Yes. In this movie. But he's still going to destroy everything you love. So you got to have a plan for him. And fortunately in this movie, that plan involves, you know, reaching down into the deep, dark trauma of the things you and your comrades did to survive yeah. World War II. Well, that and accepting that your government sucks and won't help you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just, I, I like between that and, you know, recently watching Shin Godzilla, that in both films, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, no matter how you slice it, you just can't get shit done when a monster comes to the island. You just gotta, you gotta band together on your own because you can't trust the powers that be. Like, all right, Japan, I get it. Well, so Kyle, we we talked about that more than I think either was meant to, and you, I think you had another recommendation. Yes. Um, so I also saw uh, the boy and the heron, which oh. Uh, this is on, I'm going to watch this. I'm just excited you saw it. Yeah, and it's so the boy. So 
the, it's so funny. Just, the Boy and the Heron is the latest last film from Hiao Miyazaki, mm-hmm. by which I mean he has made, I think this is the third time, but definitely the, for sure the second time that he has made a movie where he's been like, this is it. This is the last one I got in the tank. I'm too old and crotchety to do this anymore. And it, you know, you know, there was a period in like the 80s and 90s and early 2000s where he was making one every few years. And then he was like, I'm retiring. And then it turned out a couple of delightful documentaries were made about how he's physically incapable of retiring. And so now he's going to make another. And so he made another one, uh, The Boy and the Heron. So if you've ever seen any of his other movies, uh, Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro, uh, you know, Princess Mononoke, then you might have some sense of what you're getting into here. Um, That being said... Uh, it's still its own thing. It's hard to, it's hard to even say whether it's, well, it's definitely good and it's definitely enjoyable and it's definitely masterfully crafted. Could I explain to you what the fuck actually happened in this movie? <laughs> Maybe. In that sense, it's much more in the, on the, uh, spirited away side of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know this is a metaphor for something, but fuck me if I could tell you exactly what it's a metaphor for. Um... It's a metaphor, radish monsters or metaphors for radish monsters, okay? That's, (laughs) I just take it as it comes. So just in so much, well, this is really a movie that you should go, that you're totally okay with going into without any kind of context whatsoever. But, you know, it's your standard boy with, you know, child who has suffered some deep trauma, you know, goes into a, you know, is lured slowly into a fantasy world. You know, where everything is topsy-turvy and the normal rules don't apply and he has to navigate his way home. And that's, you know, that's about as generic as you get for these kind of plots, but it definitely, it goes in some weird and interesting places. You know, it has just a series of the most incredible and weird images and characters imaginable in a cartoon uh, without really being too menacing or threatening, mostly. Um, It's not like nightmarish or or menacingly surreal though it's definitely surreal but yeah mostly it's just like this boy's journey and then uh i have to say it has big um the tempest energy at this point which makes sense so the tempest is a shakespeare play that he wrote at the end of his career which is all about an old wizard who's you know like i don't think i can keep this whole magic thing up much longer so i'm i'm kind of i got one last big spell in me and then i'm kind of done and that's time to leave. And this movie has very, feels very similar, has a very similar energy. And did I compare Hayao Miyazaki to Shakespeare? Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. I think, these are, two guys who's, I think these are two guys whose general like artistic output deserves to be put in the same category. Um, so yeah, it's a great movie. Everyone should, everyone who has liked any of his other movies should definitely see it. It's you know you're gonna be confused, but it's okay. Just embrace the confusion. Well, and I can't say anything about it myself because I haven't seen it yet. I said looking forward to it, but uh, I, I will share the the tweet I saw about it that I thought was hilarious, which is uh, it's just Disney saying, "Oh yeah, I guess we're in a bit of a creative rut right now," and then the Studio Ghibli representative saying, "We cannot stop." this sad old man from making the most beautiful films about grief using the freakiest little guys. Yeah, that is exactly right. He is motivated. And this, yeah, it's insofar as 
I could write a whole like paper on what I think this movie is about, and it's definitely about the relationship between like death and art and nature and all those big ideas. But that's you know thinking about that too much is not the is not really the point of experiencing sure. it firsthand. So just go see it. Well, and um, so something I will say based on my own ex- previous experiences again, haven't seen this yet, but with Spirited Away, the first time I saw that, I was like. 19 or 20 years old and I didn't like really know what movies were yet and I was like I didn't understand any of that and so it was bad like maybe I enjoyed parts of it but it was gibberish therefore bad movie now that I'm older and wiser like exactly what you're saying Kyle is like no just go in and have that feeling and that's yeah so I'm also not going to learn anything about Loy and the Heron because that's exactly what I want to go in and do with it so um having watched like all of his movies I am actually convinced that there are some pretty clear thematic and like mechanical through lines in all of them but having said that there was totally a part of my brain that was like i could be full of shit like if i tried to explain what i think this movie is about it's i suppose it's allowed but i could just be totally full of shit well and for another weird comparison for instance when i finally watched a racer head <laughs> um you know watching it at the time i did i was able to appreciate that like oh yeah this movie overall is about uh, someone that is not ready for fatherhood and is freaking out about the stress of it. And it's, uh, it is kind of horrifying and it's kind of funny. That's generally what it's about. Do I know what that guy in the moon is doing? That's like cranking big levers and sparks are flying everywhere. Not exactly. No, but you know, I just, you let it wash over you. (laughs) Sort of the best argument for, like, auteur theory generally is that sometimes if a guy is really talented and he makes a bunch of weird movies, like, you watch any one of them and you don't understand what the fuck is going on. But as you watch all of them, you're like, ah, I sort of I sort of think, I like, even if I can't explain what any of one of these movies is, I can sort of see how they all fit together. Yeah. And that's sort of an interesting thing that happens. Well, Kyle, I don't know where to go from here because we just talked about... The boy and the hare, and we have to compare that to the works of Shakespeare and David Lynch, and what it's like to feel. I, I don't. I think maybe we've had an episode now. I think we did an episode. Yes, I think we made it through another episode in our next. And you are welcome, everyone. Oh, I, for, uh, you know, we did this just for you. I mean, we did it for us, but we're doing it now this time of day so that we would keep up our normal schedule for those of you who, you know, are will be listening to this after having just gotten back from uh, Christmas time. And yes. you want to know that the boys are still here for you, and we are. So we will keep recording, which is why you should send Nick Hyde money at Hyde. At, his Venmo is at Hyde Thoughts. If you've listened this far, reach into your phone, send him a dollar. I Yeah, and I will split that with Kyle if it happens. I keep... Uh, being completely unprepared for when he starts mentioning my Venmo, but sure, yes, it's it's real. Give us money; it'll help pay for the podcast. Do I do it mostly just to freak Nick out? Absolutely. Will I continue to do it? Absolutely. Do I hate admitting it's effective? Absolutely. But hey, yeah, it is. Thanks for nothing, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>